film, rather. You ready to just chat some shit? Yeah, man, let's get banged. Uh, <laughs> it's it's so funny. Uh, I'm gonna just say it. I'm a little stoned right now. I feel like it's better if I say it versus you guys just assuming <laughs> that I'm stoned and that I'm too cowardly to admit it. But like, before we get into the football, Jeff, you know what I want to talk about with you? Yes. No. Snack no. food. <laughs> uh, I want to discuss uh, uh, snack food with you. Fruit of form. Okay, I'm in. Very in. Well, listen, our audience uh, doesn't live in the UK necessarily like you do i I would i would love for you to just chat up some of your fave like local delicacies your fave local snacks that like we've experienced together but like let's just hear some of like what do you what do you get to have in jolly old london i feel like actual like like grocery store snacks not that great here you know like they have like chips but they have them in the wrong flavors that are either like too weird or too boring usually although every now and then like there's a nice sweet spot of like like i found like my spirit store which is marks and spencer's here which is like the most basic bitch thing to say but like apparently i heard a comedian the other day do like a bit on how if like you you're officially middle aged when you start buying clothes in Marks and Spencer, but I didn't know that going in because like none of these like foreign brands meant anything to me, and so like I was just walking through it. I'm like, that's a very comfortable looking pair of khaki shorts right there, you know? Like so, but like Marks and Spencer is like exactly my level where the clothes are a little bit cheap and the food is a little bit bougie, and like that's kind of just who I am as a so human. Is it like small target? No, it's huge. Like they're like if you like depends on the store because there's like there's smaller ones here and there, but like a typical Marks and Spencer or like a prototypical one would be like four floors, you know, like women's clothes would be a whole floor. Kids and men, we would split a floor because that's bullshit, but it happens in every store. And then um there's like a huge food hall in the bottom, and then sometimes there's like restaurants and stuff, like it's nuts. I fucking love like for gifts too. Cause like Marks and Spencer so British that like going in there and they have like beautiful little tins of tea and like tea cakes, like the little like marshmallowy, they're like miniature ho-hos or something. Now we're getting some things. snacks. Okay. Those are pretty good. <laughs> like Marks and Spencer does have like pretty good snack food, I would say. But like, but, like can you give us like a, like a, a spread here? Like paint a picture, use your words, writer. You know, the other one that I do like is like in pubs. There's always like like in, in like it's like in like a typical bad pub where you wouldn't want to order food that was cooked. There's like bags of chips and things hanging on the back. And those are pretty damn good. Like a lot of them are either like bougie chips where with like weird flavors like beef Wellington and stuff, which are like fun. What's with the Yeah, I don't get the meat chip like Meat obsession there or, or like like just hearing like beef barbecue beef it's like I'm, i don't get it i'm not i'm not a, it I'm works not... for me though <laughs> i i also think it doesn't make sense like the idea of how they flavor that chip to be wellington flavored is fucked but i'm in uh I does like that mean the, it has like, like a... mushroom flavor i mean it should right wellington's like beef mushroom pate filo dough all that I wish I could have a Wellington where it's just the beef and just the croissant around it. Like, that's like just that. Yeah, because I feel like the part that would ruin it for you is, like, that layer of gravy-ish mushrooms. Yeah. You would have liked. I made beef Wellington for the second Christmas in a row this year. This year I did a slightly different recipe. Last year my dad and I, we kind of fucked it up. It was good, but, like, it wasn't as pretty as it could have been because – we bought all this like really expensive pate to put in it. And then we were like, oh, like it says we only need three te- tablespoons, but it looks like we have about 10 tablespoons here. My dad's like, well, we don't want to waste it. <laughs> and so we put so much in that then when it got hot, it like went and like melted down and like squished its way out of the sides of the Wellington. It was just like too rich to like literally the dough couldn't hold it. <laughs> um, but this year, I did a different recipe. It's like a newfangled version where the wrapping around the inside is like spinach and prosciutto, and that was pretty good. Are you you do you eat spinach? I drink it every day. Yeah, but you don't. You <laughs> don't eat the 
tasting it, do you? Uh, well, it's like it's fine when it's mixed in with other shit. When it's just sort of like the I remember like my parents would just like microwave the like green giant brick of spinach. Like that was yeah. some like raggedy ass. Yeah, it's like some barbershop floor hair in your mouth. It's just not <laughs> a pleasant texture. Just um, watching Popeye cartoons and not getting ready for it. <laughs> although, you know what? I, I've started to wonder, like, what if weed is my spinach? When you, Like, in the Popeye-verse. Oh. Like, what if... Because I'm such a better footballer when I'm 10 to 70% really high. And I know that that doesn't help me when i podcast but when i play football i feel like it wow. takes away the overthinking i could see that i could see that hmm i mean we'll see if you're a better podcaster today because oh no I'm a, I'm a worse podcaster but a better footballer <laughs> um oh let's I get like back wine. to snacks though yeah <laughs> i like wine gums yeah. i like wine you cut me off at the perfect time i like wine no uh i like wine gums I don't know. They're struggling, I think, a little bit snack-wise. I think also... Maltesers are pretty good. I'm a fan yeah, of those, uh, those I like Maltesers. Maltesers. I like Maltesers just fine. It's like a, I like, it's a I like British Whopper. My chocolate frogs on my way to Hogwarts, ready to start the new school year. True, they do have that. Did you like those like weird caramel wafer bars from uh, our Airbnb in Scotland? What are they called? Kind of, yeah. I don't remember cool. what they were called. They were called like Tukas... <laughs> it was like it was a name that's similar to Tukas. <laughs> I don't think that that's what it was called. It was. Uh, that would have stood out in my memory for sure. <laughs> um, like what? What's what's like Tunnels. the one? What's I, I didn't you say that you guys have some special ability to like order American crap because of yeah yeah diplomacy? We can go on to these like uh, we can go onto these bases like military bases, and then I actually just recently found out, although I haven't tested this yet, but. Apparently, all the stuff that I had been driving like an hour and a half outside of London to get at the military bases, apparently I can just order that and they'll send it directly to the embassy and Rachel can bring it home for me to snack on. So that, But but, yeah. but then Rachel needs to know about every cheese that you buy, right? So in a way, you're not going <laughs> to take full advantage of that. Dude, I have. So like this month, I did a mostly dry Jan, but I did have like a couple of nights that were already planned to be wet. So I was like, ah, we'll just let those be wet. So they're like two nights of non dryness. But other than that, I've been doing dry Jan. And like, I find that non dryness. Like, <laughs> two nights I drank is a normal way to say that. But um, the rest of, you know, I find like, like, I don't know. I just, I, I like in the evening, I will have like a beer or two and then I, don't snack but then if i don't get to have like my special treat beer then i'm like where and then like i got to the point where i'm like oh man i really can't eat any more of this christmas candy because like otherwise it's going to be obvious that i was the one eating it because <clears throat> as i was doing dry jan rachel was doing no sugar january which doesn't have nearly as cool of a name it doesn't and it's honestly it's so much more miserable <laughs> like She's, I don't know. It's, it would suck so much to have like a woman's metabolism. Like she, she has to like be so healthy all the time. If, if I were a woman, I would have to wash my body with a stick. I would be so fat. <laughs> like it's like insane. Just the difference. Like I'm playing this game on the easiest mode. I'm in story mode right now. <laughs> when you, st I don't know what it was. When you started saying, that you would have to wash yourself with a stick. My mind went to like just a dramatic film being made about you, like like a Brendan Fraser <laughs> whale. Yeah. Oh man, I saw Brendan Fraser. Have you seen the uh, uh, Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon yet? I did not. Is he in that? He's in that. He's like honestly one of the only bright spots. He plays. He plays the. He plays De Niro's lawyer in it. Um, and he's like he's so good and so manipulative and slimy in it. And he has like kind of a small role. Like it's too small to even get like a best supporting actor nod for. Is this character but... named the bail? <laughs> uh, no, but he was very good. Honestly, overall, I was pretty let down by the movie. Like my, it's like maybe my favorite director and maybe doing a book that was written by maybe my favorite author. And it just is kind of like plotting and dull. 
And like, I can't believe everybody else is like so hot to trot about it. Is it a four hour movie? Close. It's like three, three and a half. All right. So I have to say, like all these directors that have almost been like given enough power through the, you know, being big names over the years where they kind of really get to determine what the final cut is. Nobody's going to tell Martin Scorsese what he's doing. Right. Uh, It just it just becomes sort of like them just humoring themselves a little bit too much with like, well, you can't tell like an interesting beginning, middle and an end in under fucking two and a half hours. Like, are you maybe not great at your job? (laughs) If all right. So if I have to write a 15 second ad and I'm like, no, my ad is dope, though. It's 69 (laughs) seconds because it's very significant number to me and it needs to be 69 (laughs) seconds or it doesn't work. You don't get (laughs) me. You don't understand my art. And like it it's a little bit uh crazy even even just imagine if this podcast was three and a half hours long like that that would just be crazy town once we hit an hour it's like when you are sleeping with your partner and you go long enough where like you've gone like two or three songs in a row on your amazon (laughs) alexa and you're like you know what at this point this is all bonus time <laughs> I'm already proud of myself. So, <laughs> one more, two more songs—that's just gravy, baby. It's weird though. I remember, like Wolf of Wall Street. I feel like was like his first one where he really let you like he would like let it like it was like hours and hours long. But when I watch that, every scene is like great. And then the one that almost everyone disagrees with me on, so I'm probably just wrong, is The Irishman, which is also super super long. It was slow and though. That felt like a slow movie. It was slow, but I like loved it. And I think like if you can make it to the end in one go, it's a great movie. But weirdly, it doesn't work. If you try to like watch it over a couple nights, it doesn't work at all. But this one I just couldn't and I did watch it like in a row. And then I watched it again with Rachel. Um I can't remember if I actually fessed up to her that I'd already seen it. <laughs> But, wow, this is this is really exciting. The second <laughs> time in one week, eight hours no, of your week. I know, and then I was like, "Oh God!" Because like I, when I watched it initially, I was like, "Well, it's all good." Because I'm gonna want. I love Scorsese. I'm gonna want to see it more than one time anyway. So I'll watch it again with her, no problem. But then, like after I watched it, I was like, "Oh God, I have to do that again now." <laughs> that could be like a new podcast concept for you, where you watch it every day and you you like just do like a, a occasional like podcast journal episodes where you logging like how insane you've gone having to watch it every day for four months five months it's a very the weirdest thing about it to me is like because actually the book is similar like it's not my favorite book by this author but it's like there's no point where there's any sort of like misdirection. It makes you appreciate some of like the cheaper, like sleight of hand things that they do in like Netflix documentaries where they're like, they make you really think this guy did it. And then you're like, Oh no, I didn't do it. You know, like, but they like, they were really like misdirect you. Whereas like this one is like the whole time you're like, Oh, seems like they're doing some fucked up shit. And then you watch them do some fucked up shit for three hours and you're like, Oh, and then they got caught. Okay. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? The most exciting math equation is one plus one equals two. You're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, all right, Jeff, because I'm too high <laughs> to follow any singular train of thought. Shall we get into our football news for the day? Yes. So uh, breaking news. Uh, this is, it's very rare. We have anything <laughs> relevant. Jurgen <laughs> Klopp. Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp is stepping down at the end of the season, Jeff. Uh, where were you when you heard this news? We remember um, it forever. I was getting texted by uh, Skylar Hunt. This is actually <laughs> funny. I should have, I should have, uh, I should have like told you this more in the moment. But I, I saw that you had sent me a text, and I saw that it was like to a soccer thing, and I was like in the middle of like a work thing, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna look at that in a second. And then when I first got online, the first like like as soon as I opened my phone, it went to I forget whether it was Reddit or Instagram, but it was something I wanted to send. It was Instagram actually. Oh no, it was a screenshot of my own comment on a thing on Instagram, and I wanted to send it to you. And it's very easy once you take the screenshot to just immediately send it. But then I was like, no, I don't want to be the dick thing where I haven't 
looked at his text, but I'm texting him my thing that I want him to look at. So then I went over to yours, like, dude, it's basically the same thing as when I watched a movie without my wife and then watched it again <laughs> there, where I went over and looked at it. I was like, oh, cool link. And then I sent you the same thing. And it was, and all of it was in regards to Mr. Jurgen Klopp stepping down for fatigue reasons, so- I read. So, friend of the pod who has not been a guest yet, but definitely should be. And I actually wanted him to be a guest today, but it was kind of a last-minute request, and he's got to work. Uh, Good friend Michael Driscoll, Liverpool fan, uh, was talking to him about all of this. Uh, He's pretty devastated by this news, uh, because if you can think about it, like Jurgen Klopp, like what Liverpool manager in our lifetimes has been better than Jurgen Klopp for Liverpool? Yeah. I think that he, I think that he is very well within his rights to feel devastated because when you think about it, I mean, honestly, since like the '80s, almost they had sort of just become like Tottenham with better history, you know, Manchester like United. <laughs> they had become like this team that floated around fifth place, but no, even that's like kind of not true though because Manchester United you know, had a great 90s, had a great aughts even, you know what I mean? Like there were a lot of titles in there, a lot of big things happened, but Liverpool kind of didn't, like with the exception of that one Champions League that sort of came out of nowhere, like they hadn't won the Premier League for a very, had they ever won the Premier League before? Uh, No, they only won it during the COVID season. Right. Um, Which is kind of like four-fifths of a Premier League, right? Like with no fans. Yeah, it's actually kind of surprising for them because I know that like that's like the biggest sort of concrete difference with that COVID uh, season was you're playing without fans. So like suddenly playing at Anfield isn't as hard as it is when there's like 40,000 people jammed up the ref's ass. Jammed up the ref's ass. I mean, I don't know why they do the seating that way. (laughs) It's tough (laughs) being a fan these days, for sure. You really got (laughs) to... Yeah, 100 pounds for this seat. Jeez. Like, all right, so I've heard other podcasts do this. Where do you think Jurgen Klopp is in, like, the pantheon of managers? I mean, it's a good question because when he's saying fatigue, he also said, I won't go to another club in England, which is an interesting qualifier. So, I mean, I don't know if he's done. You know, I kind of thought we were going to see him for another 10, 20 years, but... well, he he, well, he he might take a year off and go to Germany. He might take a year off and focus on his health. Like so, Michael, our, our the friend I was mentioning, is alluding to the fact that he might be like really sick, and this might be like doctor order mandated because they're 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 having a great season, building on sort of what was yeah. a rebuilding year last year, and like it looks like they're already done rebuilding, and now it's time to reinforce. That's a weird time to walk away, especially when in theory. Uh, Manchester City, we don't know what they're going to look like in the future if these 115 charges come down like a sledgehammer. Uh, Pep Guardiola might leave Manchester City and they, they might be disassembled. So, like, if you're Jurgen Klopp, that's like the Klopp opportunity. By the way, name of the podcast today, Klopp opportunity docs. That that might be the the Klopp opportunity for you to win more Premier Leagues and sort of walk yeah. away. Like, yeah, there's got to be something really serious that's making him do this. Yeah, I saw he had a quote, something like, you know, I thought I thought that there was no end to my energy, but I found in the Premier League that there is. I mean, there fatigue could just mean so many things. What you described is perhaps the darkest timeline for a United fan, where what if like Guardiola leaves City as City crumbles and they're selling off their players in a fire sale and Guardiola gets hired as the new Liverpool manager where he buys up a few of them and now they're no. all playing together. <laughs> no, but like there could be a world where there's no Klopp and no Guardiola in moments when both Liverpool and City are lesser versions of themselves uh, as a result. And like as, you know, Arsenal is has been on the ascendancy for the last two seasons, we'll get to, to reasons for United optimism. Uh, like the, it, we, Jeff, we could be looking at the uh, at the 90s again. Dude, I would take that. I would love an uh, an Arsenal United decade or two. That would that would go a long way for me. That that uh that that that's something that like would it, would it be crazy if that was two to three seasons from now? No, like it's I could not, see a path. It's not crazy at all. 
I don't know. Do you like the timing of like if you're Klopp, like I, I I didn't see this aspect of the story, but like why did this come out? Did he just surprise everyone? Was there any sort of pressure on him to? I have a guess. Something? I have a guess. Yeah. So it's uh, end of the January window. They're going to start in the coming weeks and months making contact with players for the summer, for yeah. summer recruitment. You can't be like, I'm Jurgen Klopp, come play for Liverpool, and then three weeks later quit before the player like even shows up, You know, before the transfer is even negotiated. I feel like it would just have been impossible for them to keep it a secret much longer if he truly is going to be stepping down in like four months. Like that, yeah. it would come out. So I think he's announcing it to like have it come from him to to control that story, and also like it can allow them to publicly pursue follow up managers for next season. Which I I have a theory, which uh, is a theory shared by others. But uh, Zabi Alonso is leading the Bundesliga right now for Bayern Leverkusen. Bayern Leverkusen, and like he definitely would love to go back to Liverpool. Like I'm pretty sure, like. That's what's gonna happen. I can't imagine who, who else they would rather have that's got like a better resume at the moment. It's a really good point. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to pick somebody better than him. Defensive midfielders also seem to do well as managers because they understand sort of the whole game is sort of out in front of them. They've got to be positionally some of the most sound players on the pitch. For sure. And and you know playing for Liverpool, I'm sure he would love to to go there and sort of add to his legacy. They'd already love him on day one. It'd probably be a huge raise, better transfer budget. Even though you know Liverpool's been kind of doing it, doing almost as well as City for half the money. Uh, so yeah, you you got to give it to Klopp. I mean, I I I don't like him, but like I yeah. re- begrudgingly respect him. Is that the right thing yeah. to say? I, yeah, I mean, it kind of it nickels back to your earlier question that for some reason I ignored. But yeah, um, you did. Like, I saw. But the no, the idea of sort of where does he rank all what time? What tier? Yeah, like what are the tiers? I mean, it's a good. It, I feel like it really comes down to how you separate the tiers. It's like it comes down to your criteria where he ranks. Because if your criteria is, you know, he was great for forty years or something, there's probably like other managers that are ahead of him. But if your criteria is more like how much did he change the game? You know, was he very successful and he, did he sort of change the game with his way of looking at it and his tactics? I mean, we're kind of all living in a Jurgen Klopp world in some ways. I mean, he wasn't the only proponent of like Egan pressing and whatnot, but like we're all playing a lot more like his Dortmund teams now than anyone was beforehand. And, you know, so in terms of his intellectual and tactical influence on the game, like, He's up there. I don't know if he's Mount Rushmore up there. He's not top four, is he? So Stephen Housen ha- had like a ranking, and I know that that's a that's a United homer if there ever was one. Uh, but he's basically arguing there's Ferguson sort of on his own when it comes to like league titles plus Champions League titles plus like total honors and then sure. like length of time with one club and having multiple rebuilds that turn into uh, to trophies. And, you know, I, I would agree with him on that. I don't know how you'd feel. But then he basically said the next level is uh, Pep, Jose, and Wenger. And then he argues then that Klopp would be, like, kind of in that next tier. Because, really, he won at, a, was it one Champions League and one Premier League and finished twice, finished second twice? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're, that's a very sort of a Anglo-centric way of looking at it you know but that's but that's he would argue and his argument for that ranking is like it's about titles like that's that's the that's the measuring stick by which everyone is measured historically is titles uh and honors how many titles did he have at dortmund one two i don't did he did they win the league even they won there was one season where they won the league but then lost to Bayern in the champions league i believe or were they runners up both times I'm pretty sure they won. Didn't they win the league? I don't know, Did... but Zabi Alonso's team is currently winning the Bundesliga. So, you know, maybe maybe Liverpool will get rid of one great manager and get another one. But, you know, I hope that that's not the case. I hope that they go through their boys' years. I hope that that's, that's approaching. Is that little little Liverpool awkwardness. I could really, really enjoy that. 
I could definitely go for some of that. Klopp won two Bundesliga titles and one German Cup with Dortmund, um, which I think is pretty impressive. Especially like to me, any any sort of German silverware that you can lift while not being Bayern Munich makes it that much more impressive. It's like similar to you know anyone who wins anything in Spain that isn't Real Madrid or um, Barcelona. It's like a similar level of respect, but. I don't think placing him on that third tier is an insult. I feel like if you look at the names above that I placed above, or that Stephen Housen even placed yeah. above him, it's like those are all, all those They're names all- are inarguably icons. I mean, the one that I kind of bristled at in there was Jose, because. But but I don't he's know. won multiple Champions Leagues. He's won multiple. Le- he, like he he broke up sort of our dominance. Like his yeah. arrival was like the end of Ferguson and like the beginning of like. Top level football pragmatism, just like getting wins. Yeah, and so I don't know, man. Like I, I don't. I think Jose has faded like a sunset. But I think if you're judging the body of work, the corpus, uh, I think I think I I agree with Stephen Housen on this. Sometimes he's a bit uh, a bit more aggressive than my opinion. But you know, I, I just think. I know we get it. You love Jurgen Klopp. You're a huge Liverpool fan. You can't get enough. I do think that he he's more influential and innovative in the game. Whereas, like people, like to me, the, there wasn't much in a, Even though he was going his own way, Mourinho was not being innovative. He was doing, you know, he was parking the bus. He's using tactics that were, you know, older than he is. But Ralph Rangnick is the one who taught Jurgen Klopp about system pressing and like i'd argue ralph rangnick is even more influential but is he in that top level of managers from for a results oriented business no you get you get fired or hired based on your results i mean i don't know let's see let's see klopp's sort of transfer market titles versus Mourinho's. because Mourinho is also he's become a bit of a specialist in failure to quote Mourinho about Mourinho. Jeff, you'll notice the the title of this segment is Clopting Out. <laughs> I will notice that. <laughs> I think we should There's supposed uh, to be a Mourinho documentary soon. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm not pumped watch for that. that. You're gonna watch that? Yeah. I am worried that it's gonna humanize him though. I don't want that. The Wayne Rooney one was like, so like I cheated on her, right? But like it's not bad, <laughs> right? <laughs> Beckham came off pretty adorable in his. I don't need to watch documentaries about players that I already know too much about. Like documentaries are like show me show me like a new slice of life or or show, show me an issue I don't know about. Don't give me like a diary that I've already kind of read the book of. All right. Can we move on, Jeff? I feel like you're we looking at a computer on. screen. I, I am. Like... I'm looking, and I'm like, why won't someone just list the titles so I can easily compare them? They're all in, like, paragraph format. But you know I, what? I'll just say that I think that Klopp is probably closer to Mourinho in terms of, like, his accomplishments than we're giving him credit for. But maybe not. Maybe I'm making that up. You know, that's just, like, your Kloppinion, man. <laughs> all right. Hakuna Barada. What a wonderful phrase. This is why you're actually not stoned today. You're just happier because. <laughs> yeah, clop, so. Plop out Barada in. Ding dong. No, um, <laughs> basically, also over the, the last uh, two weeks when we haven't podcasted, there were some matches. Uh, we'll, we'll get to those in a second. But Manchester United, led by Sir Jim Ratcliffe's Ineos, uh, won has been given even greater control of the club than they had had when they took over football control. Now they have like pretty much full control, and the Glazers are just big shareholders now. Which is kind of weird, right? It is kind of weird. I don't know. I can't hear about anything to do with shareholders without seeing it as succession in my head. <laughs> but like, like the dumb thing about succession is there's so many times where it's like, if all if the characters could just let go of some petty squabble, then they would get like a lot of money. And I feel like like a lot of real businessmen are really good at letting go of petty squabble squabbles when the real money comes around. And I feel like that's what the Glazers are doing, where it's like, you know, God love them. They uh, 
He does been a big football club for a long time, and they kind of sucked at it. And maybe they realize that now, and they're giving somebody else a spin, and they're Dude. letting them pay for the chance. Like, why not? I th- I think you're minimizing it. They ran the most successful cash generating machine in world sport into the fucking ground. <laughs> we owe 1.2 billion pounds of in debt for the privilege of having them take a shit on us. So like it's kind of crazy that that's what you bought. <laughs> that's the, the mortgage. The adults are are finally here in Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos without being exceptional at all just by being fucking competent are superheroes. It's it's such a stark like they they've spoken to the fans a number of times already. They've had a dialogue with the fans. Guess who never did that in 18 years of ownership? I'll give you a hint. It's the Glazers. <laughs> that was going to be my second guess. Damn it. So in their first big move, they have hired away from Manchester City, Omar Barada, who was effectively doing the functions of a CEO at Man City to become their CEO at Manchester United. Be honest. How much was he on your radar before this happened? Zero. I'd never heard his name in my whole fucking life. Okay, but, same. I just thought I was dumb, but I'm glad we <laughs> got, but, glad but, got that out. But in, I, I had heard of his bosses, uh, Fernan Soriano or Ferran Soriano, I think, something like that. Yeah. And then Ziki, Ziki, uh, like the <laughs> he's like the the director he's of football. Psychic? No, is it? No, he's like the big the big sort of bar. That was like someone they brought over from Barcelona that like turned Manchester City into like the fully functional club. And I know that's ironic to say now. How, how Barcelona has been functioning over the past yeah. few years, but this is no doubt like from a running the club at the top level, this is a huge coup. Like I've listened to this dude talk with those names that I just butchered uh, at Manchester city where they like had just like a fly on the wall camera and they're discussing like, how do they run the club? Like their philosophy. It's it's they're, they're going to turn United into a very functional business again. It, it will take a number of years for us to be like truly challenging the likes of yourself. And if Manchester city stays in the premier league, them and, and the remnants of, of Liverpool, like it will take a <laughs> while, but all the decisions you'll start seeing in the news, y- you, myself, others are going to go, fuck, that makes sense. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a competent, good decision. They got rid of that guy. It's about time. Uh, they resigned that person. That makes sense. Like, it's just going to start being a little bit more fucking sensible than like Anthony, 84 million pounds. Yup. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how much of, how much of this boon is because of what he adds to United and how much of it is just that you've subtracted something of real value away from city. Like how much of that is the joy of the move for you? I think the former, because Manchester City could implode on their own without any help from us. And him, actually, right now, him right now choosing to come to Manchester United at the time he's choosing to come to Manchester United is an interesting wrinkle to this, right? Like, we don't know when that hypothetical... um, What's the name of the... It's like the Sword of Damocles? I don't know. I'm making it up. But like... Ship of Theseus? Yeah, the, 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 the... the guillotine of these 115 charges <laughs> hanging over Manchester City's head is like, that could come down end of the that season. That could really break his ship, you know? Yeah, it could uh, it could cut the tip right off his dick. So, and then they'll blast off into space. <laughs> no, but, but like Manchester <laughs> City, he might, he might know more about City's future than any of us do. Uh, their yeah. plans and what they expect is coming down the road. I've I've read from multiple places that he is like not implicated in whatever's going on at Manchester City, uh, yeah. because there was a little bit of like, oh, I hope that we don't just is get a great CEO and immediately he's banned for two years. That happened right. to Spurs, right? With what's his face, Pedericci, the Italian oh. guy, yeah, from yeah, Juve, yeah. yeah. But so anyway, it's exciting. Uh, the next hire should be the director of football, and you know whether it's us paying Newcastle a ton of money to free uh, what's his name Dan Ashworth from uh, from his contract, or it's that uh, what's his face the guy who used to run Southampton and Monaco or whatnot. I don't know. 
Director of football, mm. though, coming up. Yeah. No, that's that's huge. Did you so were you one of those clubs like us where you just sort of didn't have a director of football for a while? Uh well we've effectively had like uh Glazer Stooges in that role. Although for the longest time we didn't actually have the role. You're right. It was only until Murtaugh, I think, the guy who is currently is it Murtaugh or is it the guy whatever. I'm forgetting these guys' names as they resign. So <laughs> it's we've we've Swiping. had one uh it might have been Murdoch. Because I remember the phrase Murdoch Madness being tossed around whenever we would spend way too much money on a player I'd never heard of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, like we've had someone, but like just having a guy in that role doesn't mean shit unless they actually have like knowledge on how to take a club from middling to successful, like how to build it up, how to make it a right. machine that can sort of pay for itself, and how to like have there be incremental improvement on the on the pitch, and and like how to how do you get players. Uh, before they go to Ajax or before they go to Barca or before they go to Madrid and, and have them sort of get get their prime years for the least amount of investment, like that, that's the gambling addict kind of way to approach this. Like how do you game the system? Because we don't have unlimited money to, to throw at just buying the biggest name that everyone already knows. Like We can't buy Victor Ozeman right. anymore. We owe, we owe like as much money as like Texas <laughs> I don't know. We we owe although a lot I mean of money. related to this, but you know, as the as the ship, the Manchester City ship starts to sink, will you know how many how much will that just affect these markets? You know that if if you're going to see multiple clubs get dinged on this, and you can see the speed at which it seems like it's being accelerated. Oh, top hit of thirty one. Love the content. Thank you. You're our favorite hitter. Bottom hitter um, sucks compared to you. <laughs> um, hey, you need top and bottom. Uh, <laughs> you need it. You need it. <laughs> I just, yeah, I think it, it's it's interesting. Wow, that really threw me off to read someone's comment. But it, it, I I like the idea that maybe he knows a little more than we know about what is going to happen next for City. And then I like the sort of knock-on effects that we'll have, where suddenly a player that I've heard of, the basement price of that isn't two hundred million, and and you can start to like, I don't know if if it, if it had been Arsenal bidding against United for Ossiman, and we didn't have some of the other sort of juiced financial players in the mix, I don't know. Maybe Jeff? maybe we maybe we hang out. Maybe we maybe we get him for sixty. Jeff, I feel like that that actually brings up an interesting topic because the the spending bubble in the Premier League it's already explo- uh, imploded elsewhere. Like Spain isn't really spending a, a shit ton at the moment. Like Germany's not spending a shit ton. Everyone's like looking at the I don't know fifteen world wars going on and like money is yeah. becoming more precious. And if if you're looking in the Premier League right now, we're at the end of the January window. Who's bought much? Yeah. I mean, in Arsenal's case, we can't. We literally, like, we're just, we literally are waiting to pay off the goalie we just bought. We can't do anything else. So, yeah, it's tough. United can't afford a lone striker. We can't even afford a Vout Veghorst. <laughs> because a loan fee is a few million, and we are, like, we're 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 not, like, how Everton and Forrest just recently got another slap in the face for... Uh, violating like FFP standards again. There's a chance that like Everton and Forest mm-hmm. might get like an additional point Another deduction, one. yeah, which is nuts. But yeah. like we're we're fine, but we can't buy anything. So like, makes maybe, maybe you should have appreciated the Wout Vegors we bought you last year. The Wout Vegors we had at home, <laughs> yeah. But but like in a way, like no one's spending. So maybe maybe. This the the new levels of FFP that are being adopted in in the Premier League, I think, are starting to match the European standard, which we saw Barcelona come face to face with last season, right? Like they, all of a yeah. sudden, it was you you could only be spending seventy percent of your revenue, and then sixty percent, and then like it, it, it's year by year. It's meant to 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 prevent teams from going bust and from leagues from going bust. It's almost like a salary cap in a way. Um, but like that's something we're seeing now so like i i think there might be an even bigger emphasis on like buying you know top young 18 year olds as and getting them as cheap as they'll ever be 
and then trying to coach them up because that's going to be the only way to sustainably like turn your squad over. Hmm. All right, back to while we were while we were on pod break, Jeff, uh Arsenal uh played against a little team called Crystal Palace. Why don't you tell us about how that match went? They're one of those teams that in a few key moments where we've really needed to win against them, we haven't. And so going into the game, I always am a little more nervous than I should be. This game felt extraordinarily easy to the point where like I noticed myself being on my phone like way too much in the second half where I'm just like I'm not even like glued to the TV anymore. But um, it's it's one of those I heard I forget which of the many Arsenal pundits that are sort of on in the background in my life that I heard this from, but I thought it was a really good point. But they're basically saying, you know, like Arsenal had this skid in form for a few weeks where we had, you know, against West Ham, we had dropped points against Fulham. And there were, there were a bunch of moments where you just sort of thought like, aren't we supposed to be better than this? And his point was basically, you're never as bad as the bad results look and you're, but you're also never as good as the good results look. And I think there's probably a lot of truth in that in this one where it's like we won five nil, but ultimately we're still relying so much on set pieces and we're still taking too many touches when we need to just shoot. And we're just not quite generating the quality of chances and the quantity of chances that we need to, if we're going to win. But I do think that we needed this, like it's like manna from heaven to have this result and to have all the players as soon as they come back from their little vacation in Dubai to have them pretty much everybody get to score I think uh. you, you you make an interesting point about like you know the highs and the lows being sort of outliers but like if you win 5 nothing against any Premier League club you are at, very, at the very least things that are functional are, are functioning yeah it was a good game well if we played Palace right now like 1-1 like it like <laughs> like it becomes it becomes very apparent when like a, a a club that has talented players isn't firing like like things aren't connecting like the I I think that maybe maybe you maybe just needed a rest maybe 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 <laughs> I think that's a big part of it and I also just think we're not a team that has a natural finisher right now and that was sort of the problem in all those other games was you know we at, at one point we had had 67 chances and one goal over the course of several games. And it's like, you just can't do that. Um, I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Um, and th- th- this was something I heard brought up recently about, you know how for the last few, even just, I guess, as long as this pod has existed, Bruno Fernandez has been like the biggest chance generator in like all of football for like the last, since he's arrived at United. Right. But if you've watched him this season, he hasn't looked that great and like there are there are matches sometimes where like someone will credit him as having generated three four five six chances and if you watch the whole match i'm like did we as a team have six chances like yeah. so I, what what i'm wondering is like what is the actual definition of a chance like if i shoot the ball from like the opposite end of the pitch is that a chance like true what, what is where's the where's the line for that? I mean, you score you scored five goals. That's at least five chances, right? You don't sure. score a goal without a chance. I mean, you could, I guess, like if they just had like a very stupid own goal, like a YouTube special. I mean, I I think that the technical definition of a chance created is just it, like a ball that leads to a shot. But even that, like, I find football to be very lenient in what they consider an assist. Like in many other sports, if I were to like pass to you and then you do a few things with the ball and then score, it's not my assist anymore. Um, and in in football, it's not that way. But I, I do think, I think that there are some players, especially really talented players. Like I noticed this when Ozil was slumping with us, where it's like he's such a good chance creator, but it almost becomes like its own kind of kryptonite where they start when they're not generating great chances. They players like that are still generating chances, but they're generating chances that are shitty shots. And so now you're like that, which when you think about it, a shitty shot is not far from a turnover, you know, 
like unless yeah. you're getting lucky. And so I I would be, I would believe that. Like I bet you that there's so many sort of games where United's offense wasn't firing at full, you know, whatever that metaphor is. Tilt, but, full tilt. Yeah. They weren't at full tilt, but you know, for Nan- like Bruno maybe had three or four chances created and all of them were shitty, you know. <laughs> or yeah. like they're the kind of things where Maybe if the team was playing a more fluid, dynamic version of the game, then instead of that being a chance created, it would have been an have been one more look that becomes a tap in, you know. But instead, it's like you have to take this, you know, thing from the sideline, sort of thing. Well, I'm sorry, I didn't get to see your match. Were any of those goals tap ins? There were some really nice ones. Uh, I get. <laughs> Gabriel Martinelli came on for the very end of the game and scored in the 94th and the 95th minute. And both of them, they were just like, it was really good to see from him because he's actually had quite a dip in form this season. And it was like, it was nice to see him back to his winning ways where he was super fast on the left wing and very dynamic there. But also he, he used to just be such a clinical finisher and we just have lacked that across the board this season. He came in, and he like he would got he got the ball in both goals. It was like carbon copies where he just did that thing where the ball stays on the ground, but it slightly sort of curls and it just curls around the keeper and goes right to the far post and in. And um, he posted the highlights after the game, and his caption was just R one plus O, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty great. Plus, plus circle, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're just but like it us. really it really did look like that like it, it looked like the exact sort of like like the way an arcade game would finish because it was just like it was like a video was playing after he reached a certain point um so that was actually that was really really nice to see did you happen to catch uh the teams jeff doesn't care about derby of uh, united versus spurs i care about those teams i dislike them <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, uh, did, did, but did you? I I did watch quite a bit of that game. I didn't catch the whole thing, though. So, two highlights. Hoyland scores right away. So, that's his second yeah. Premier League goal. Look at look at him flying. Uh, <laughs> and Rashford scored. So, you're like, oh, these are two, like, important elements to, to United. Uh, maybe maybe they'll be beating a, a Hyungman Sunless Spurs, which, you know, he's been huge for them this season. So, to be able to play them without son is 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 was super helpful but yet like still like richarlison scored against us and benton scored against us right in the beginning of the second half and it was just like motherfucker like so we tied against the team that largely looked better than us uh on the pitch uh and and it was even with our our sort of only offensive weapons firing it wasn't enough uh yeah. Onana stayed to play. One, <laughs> <laughs> that Richarlison one, it's like you, sh- it shouldn't surprise you because he's actually having a good year, but he was so shitty the year before that it feels insulting when he does something good. He's only supposed to score like a what the fuck goal once every four months. Like he's not supposed to yeah. do it to your team. And usually for Brazil, not <laughs> like. <laughs> or yeah. Everton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So that was kind of an annoying bummer, but I guess it's like us drawing Spurs right now is honestly an improvement over where how we started the season, right? Like, right, we're we're unspectacular, but like we're average, whereas we started shittier than average. Um, <laughs> but Jeff, I'm really excited for this next round of fixtures that's uh, coming up. But let's let's start with yours first to just keep it uh, alternating. Uh, Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you'd, you'd hope that we'd, we'd take three points in this one. And we, well, it's been such a tale of two months where, like, in January we've played, this is like our third game. So we've had this nice break. It seems like people have been able to use that to train and we haven't, like, lost the edge, which is what you always worried about in those situations. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like our odds against them, but They've beaten us before when they weren't supposed to. I mean, it'll be Matt Turner, right, against uh, his alma True. mater. True. He's been having Dude. a real dicey it'll be a dog season. fight. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you see that thing like the meme where 
uh, Ramsdale was like making fun of him and just like po- like posting like exact quotes of things he said. And like one of the things he said is like like he was like breaking up a fight in some cup game that he was playing in, and he goes, "It's a fucking dog fight out there, bro." <laughs> I feel like I would be quoted by teammates all the time as saying crazy shit if I were on a Premier League <laughs> club. So, like, I feel empathy for him there. Yeah. And it's, it definitely felt uh, like he was being singled out for how American some of his sayings are. They, the one that they thought was really funny that I, I didn't blink an eye at, but, like, like all the British guys on the team were laughing at him when he said, uh, they were like, oh, like, tell us some more, like, American slang. And then like, the one thing he said, he was like, like it's good. You straight, bro? Like, they thought that was, like, the craziest shit they had ever heard. Like, you straight? You just ask somebody if they're straight? Yeah, in a way, that's, like, super personal and none of your business. <laughs> in a way. Mm, in a way. All right, so that, but that Arsenal versus Forest match, that is a Premier League fixture, right? That is a Premier League game, the 22nd. So okay. mine, which is either tomorrow or the day after, uh, it is Sunday morning, is against Newport County. Uh, Jeff, name one player on Newport County's roster. <laughs> Mr. Newport. No, I have no idea. Couldn't couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah, even I think they're I live two. in this country. I don't know where that is. Newport County FC. Let's just go give them a quick mid-podcast Google. So they are Newport. in League Two and they are in South Wales. I was going to guest on the West Coast because I'm thinking, oh, you know, they need a new port over there. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like my understanding. Yeah, so their their whole ground only holds 7,850 seats. So this is going to feel intimate. Yeah, this this is going to be intimate. It's kind of cool, right? Because, well, they, they sell out. And if for whatever reason they force a replay, then they get to go to Old Trafford, right? And then there's. Is, wait, do they get a cut of the gate receipts? Is that how it works? I I think that they have done it right where they get they do better financially if it's in their stadium, even if their stadium is much smaller. But I think they do. Actually, I'm not sure. I think that they, you know what they do? I think that when they get to play the return, they get more of the TV money too. So like for a team like them, that like few hundred grand or whatever it is, is like they, pretty They're going to get 400 grand from this match, which apparently is like, season saving budget. money yeah yeah so that and, and apparently so i was listening to an interview from uh what was talk what was the what's the podcast we went to when we were in london talk of the devils yeah yeah yeah. so they're they're tell, uh, telling uh, telling us about this club a little bit and uh the manager gives an interview and i think he's from ireland and a diehard united fan so like he's apparently been playing or not playing, uh, managing in in different capacities in football for like thirty years, and this is like he's this is like his dream come true. Even if wow. even if we clobber them, it's like he's just like so happy, and so yeah. that's like kind of like heartwarming. And uh, I would expect us to play like a pretty strong lineup because Casemiro's back, Shaw's back, Martinez is back. Oh, interesting. Like as so, a uh, like a rehab game kind of yeah thing. The, and and uh, our backup keeper is finally gonna get minutes uh, for this club uh, Altai Bindair Bayandir Bayandir I think Are I don't you know his name be good like now with like I'm hearing Casemiro back and like with so, all these guys back on the field so Casemiro wasn't was looking pretty exposed in the beginning of the season but I'm wondering yeah. if having Mano sitting next to him Mano I'm still getting used to pronouncing his name. Uh, Kabi. I, um, <laughs> I, I wonder if having Kabi Mainu next to him will sort of they can share the defensive burden of protecting yeah. the back four, and then maybe let Bruno go up and just be more of a lunatic uh, up front, where he's more dangerous nearer to goal. Like I'm yeah. wondering if that could be helpful. And having Martinez back on the pitch with like his foot not broken for the second time in four months <laughs> will be dope for him. Uh, him and Luke Shaw playing together with Rashford together, like that's that's yeah. interesting. But Rashford will not be playing because he is quote unquote sick, hmm. even though he was photographed uh, two nights ago, like being out at some club at a party. I gotta say, I don't give a fuck that he went out. I feel like it's they're not they're not slaves. Yeah. 
they don't need to have a certain number of goals and assists to be allowed to go out uh, on yeah. an off night. I feel like I'm starting to really notice a lot of the, how like the press is like hungry for blood. It's like what other job would you be given shit for going out for a few hours at one night when like, you don't have work the next day? Right. Yeah. No. It's it's pretty. I I think there are certain teams certainly United and Arsenal that way where it's like the media is just so out for blood all the time that they, they strangle some of the potential of these players in the crib because there's just too much pressure on them, too many eyes on them on like, you know, bullshit stuff like you're talking about. I mean, and it's like, it's funny because it's the same media that will like, you know, they'll get teary eyed when they think about the old days when everyone was in the pub, you know, on match day. Uh, you know, and but then, yeah, it's just an easy, it's just an easy, lazy insult, I guess, to say, oh, you know, seen out. Plus, a lot of these guys like seen out. They're going to some restaurant where they eat like vegetables and filet mignon, and then they're, you know what I mean, and then they go home and like bang their harem or whatever. I don't know if that's what this particular person does, but. That's like a typical night with a lot of these players, I think. And, uh, Am I? Would you? Would you call out? Would you call me out as being full of shit if I argued that this really only happens to like England players that are black? It definitely seems to happen quite a bit more to them, doesn't it? Yeah. Like I'm not. It's I'm almost not like there's a about, slight like, pattern <laughs> of, of racism. No, but I'm. I'm. See, I, I, I. When I read that, like, like even Marcus like a guy Rashford, like Grealish and Rooney, and these guys that you know go out on the town. You don't hear about them as often in the same negative light. Even if Grealish hadn't played in a few weeks and had been like on one of his like frozen out periods of being yeah. in City side, like you just you just don't. And he can behave that way. And like Rashford's having a bad season right after he signed a big contract. But like that sucks. I don't know yeah. if it means that he has to be on house arrest. And and yeah. it's only being written about about these young guys. And like. Yeah, I don't know, man. Is, it, think... is a COVID lockdown really like what he needs to get better? I don't think so. No, I think that everyone needs to relax a little bit. Like the season's kind of fucked, so like let's not ruin anyone's life over it. I, I, I'm a little like, no wonder it's fucking hard to play for this club. Like honestly, like uh, no wonder it's not as easy. As, like right, so this is the next topic. But great segue to this. Uh, the topic is called Sancho is doing well in Germany. Fuck him. <laughs> but, like, it, it's clear how much easier it is to play in some other leagues or to play in smaller teams where there isn't, like, a 24-hour channel devoted to gossip and rumors and s- stoking yeah. the flames of whatever. And maybe we're a little bit a part of that. But, like, Marcus Rashford is constantly being scrutinized. And I'm not saying that he is perfect or does everything right or... I, I don't know. I don't even know the guy. I, I, I only admire what I do know. But, like... He is he is scrutinized like fucking Obama. Like he like people are, are their whole careers are sustained by like sharpening the knives for him. And like I do feel for him. Yeah. Uh but anyway, but Sancho, on the other hand, he he has, I think has had what, like a goal and an assist in his couple of games back for Dortmund. Yeah. I have to say I saw this coming a mile away. It, because it he really... did great, he did great in that league. It's there's more yeah. space. It's slower. Like the some of the teams you play against are like much nah, lower level than the worst Premier League team. There's a lot of truth in all that, but also I just think even if he had gone to another, even if he had gone to another Premier League team, I would have liked his odds because there's just something about like a guy who actually knows they can do it, but they've just had that like fuck you experience of getting frozen out of a team and now they're hungry for it again. Like ironically, the one it reminded me of the most is uh, when Aubameyang came from Dortmund over to Arsenal where, you know, he had, he was a great player for them, but then suddenly he's on the outs. And then it was like every moment that he had on the field for the first few seasons, he was with us. He was just relishing it and you could see that. And it was like, it was a joy to watch him play then. So I don't know. So, do you, do you want to buy Sancho for fifty million pounds? Ooh. I mean, <laughs> give you a discount. Yeah, it's like we can't, and I don't necessarily want to write fifty million pound checks and send them to Manchester. But it's probably not a far off value if he like finishes this season out. 
I mean, it makes you start wondering, like, he was always one of Southgate's boys. Like, could he possibly play himself back into the England team for the Euros over the course of the next few months? Like, I don't know. I do want to sell that fucker, though. And uh, Mason Greenwood. If Like, apparently he's been doing, I think he's got seven goal contributions in, like, I don't know, 18 matches, something like that. Where is he again? Uh, is it one? It's one of the Spanish teams. I can't remember. Whoever it is, it's a team that's like full of fascists and racists. So they like are all about they having a rapist in their team too. <laughs> um, what else we got talked about? All right, so uh, Jeff, just give you a quick NFC update. Uh, the football club of myself, uh, past guests Neil, Julio, and Hector, uh, and James uh, as well. Uh, all all friends of the pod. So yep. we have started the season 3-0. and We are all alone at the top of the standings. No one else is, is, uh, has won every one of their matches. Congratulations. Uh, if I knew how to use the soundboard, I would make a clapping sound now. <laughs> clap, clap, clap! <laughs> <laughs> Did I show you our kits that we have, we have now? We're the only team in this really like low-ass like, rec soccer league that has <laughs> custom kits. Oh, uh, that's amazing. No. I would go run and get it, but that's not like great podcast audio, right? That's uh, no, it's not. I'll I'll run and get it after we uh, after we finish. But uh, your boys, your boys finally healthy after all. I'm it's basically yeah. Lissandro Martinez and I, same guy. Lot We're both common. Lot finally common. back from multiple surgeries, ready to be the butcher of Westchester for me. Uh, <laughs> You're switching to center back. I. <laughs> no, I've been playing. Uh, I've been playing fullback a lot. Uh, True, but I I go where I'm needed. I don't know. I'm like yeah. I, I honestly think I'm like the John O'Shea of our team. If we're really thinking about it, like there's no there's no disrespect. You live and in... total football. You anywhere yeah. on the pitch, the same to you, really. Basically, I'll go up front. <laughs> I'll play on the wing. I'll play in the middle of the park, wherever, man. Like I'm just happy to help. I'm just happy to bring my talents uh, to the team. True. Have you been playing Absolutely. still? If you're gonna give us a little, yeah, uh... I uh, I have played it out a couple times. Um, I've been doing the five aside league with a mostly much younger group. They're pretty good, and it's sort of they're almost too good for me, but it's just enough where I'm not dragging them down too far. So yeah, been enjoying it. Been uh, been putting the shooting boots on. Speaking of shooting. Don't you want to shoot the people that make Diablo? Four? No, I'm kidding. Uh, totally, totally kidding. But oh, Diablo, man. Diablo Four Season Three. I know all our audiences are like all football fans and gaming fans. So probably, I'm digging it. To be honest, what do you think? I'm a level sixteen. I chose Rogue this time. I haven't done it. I haven't played it at all. No. Oh wow. I've read You're a lot of now. reviews. Oh, yeah, I've read a lot of reviews that are basically like. Season two was really good, and season three just. That's funny though, because I felt like, well, I don't know. I haven't read like official reviews, but when I was looking at like the fans and people like on Reddit talking about it, like people just shit on it no matter what all the time. One thing that I kind of like about it that a lot of people don't like is like they're trying to make the gameplay more interesting. So like they'll well you'll be in a battle, but then there'll also be these like almost like Mario style obstacles. So there'll be like things spinning around like in like as if you're in Koopa's palace and you have to avoid them while also fighting and doing these other things. And it's like, cause I, it's always a weird game where it's like the skill in the moment of actually fighting is like not nearly as important as just like collecting the most like Pokemon cards. Right. And it seems like they're trying to make the gameplay a little more interesting, which I dig. But I've always li- I always liked as a game that it's like I could close my eyes and maybe take like an hour nap and level up two or three times before I wake up. Just like holding <laughs> yeah. my fingers on the buttons and pushing them mindlessly works. It's like it's a great game for that. To be honest, it, it has made me realize like I can't look down my nose at any of the old women on buses to Atlantic City because like that <laughs> game is essentially a slot machine and I am addicted to it. But yeah. Slot machine plus violence equals number one selling game of the. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a winning combination there. That's America in a nutshell. Do you anything else you want to talk about before we uh, hit the dusty trail? I got I got a message from a friend of the pod, Neil, who 
is literally dancing in the street over Jurgen Klopp's departure. <laughs> oh, good he's, man. He's very happy. He's he's happier than I've ever seen anyone for anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Neil. Anything else? That's it. Sayonara. Captain, my captain. See you soon, Jeff. See you, dude. Need the suckers. Need the suckers. A soccer podcast that probably won't last. Need the suckers. Need the suckers. Skyler and Jeff don't know how to rhyme. Need the suckers.